0: when they said unto me let us go again to the recovery house of worship Amen. are you glad to be here this morning Amen. to celebrate and worship the awesomeness of god now now that introduction was amazing thank you so much edwin i got to take you on the road with me when i travel but but I'm so grateful for the friendship of your pastor. And as you already know, he is one of the finest communicators in all of New York. So much so that one morning I'm I'm walking into the office and as I open the door, uh, my office is on the third floor of, of our church building I hear a voice ringing in the background, and I walk up, get closer, get closer, I open up the office, my office door, and, and my executive assistant is sitting there listening to a podcast, and, and I'm able to make out a voice. I'm like, who is that? Oh, she's like, that's Pastor Edwin. And I'm like, how come I don't hear you listening to my podcast when If you have your Bibles with you, I invite you to open it with me to Psalm chapter 1. Central Baptist Church is a predominantly African-American church located on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. And when you think of predominantly African-American, I'm I'm sure you think we get down. That is not the case at Central. (laughs) There are times when I'm preaching where you can literally hear a pin drop. So can you do me a favor? Just one, one, one little tiny. I don't get this at home. Can I get a a few appropriately placed amens? (laughs) Appropriately placed amens (laughs) during the course of this sermon. If the word touches you, then just say amen. Amen. Psalm chapter 1. There are two paths in life that you can walk down. Choose the path where it's guided and directed by the word of God. Hear the word of the Lord for you this morning. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does, prosper. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous But the way of the wicked will perish. Will you pray with me? Lord God, we do thank you for your word. And we thank you that there is power in your word. Use your word to lead, guide, direct our lives. We pray, help us not to stray away from the instructions that are contained in your word. Lord, we pray for this minute for this moment, for this hour. We pray that your spirit would speak to us. Not only that, what is said in this room may resonate for days, for months, for years in our lives as we share with others what the word has taught us today, we pray. And we pray most of all, Father God, that you would be exalted and glorified as your word is explained. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Wes Moore lives with his wife in New Jersey, and he hosts his own television program on the Oprah Winfrey Network entitled Beyond Belief. By any and every account, Wes Moore lives a blessed life. But it was not always the case for Westmore. His, his story is really one of rags to riches. Westmore was born and raised in the city of Baltimore, Maryland, and he grew up in one of the city's most impoverished area. When he was three years old, he lost his father, and his mother raised him in a single-parent household. By the time Westmore was 11 years old, He had already been arrested and sent to a juvenile detention center. At 14, Westmore was kicked out of the private school that Westmore was attending. And at 16, he was sent to a military institution that Westmore hated so much that he tried to escape from this facility five times in four days. But there came a turning point and Westmore's life, when it seemed like his life was heading in the wrong path, Westmore decided to continue to work and try and strive. And, and that path that was going in the wrong direction was turned into the right direction. Westmore graduated from the military academy that he was going to with honors. He then went on to John Hopkins University and graduated from there with honors. In fact, he became the first African-American Rhodes Scholar to ever graduate from John Hopkins University. He, his accomplishments are, 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 are tremendous. He worked with Condoleezza Wright. He was a successful businessman. He, he, he did well in school. You name it, Westmore accomplished it. Westmore we can all say made it. Westmore is serving life sentence in the Jessup County Correctional Facility Institution. Westmore is serving life in jail because of a botched robbery in which he and his brother Tony Moore shot to death an off-duty police officer. This off-duty police officer had five children. Barring a miracle, Westmore will never see the light of day. Westmore was born and raised in, in Baltimore, Maryland, and he grew up in one of the most impoverished areas in that city. His father was tragically murdered when Westmore was only three years old, and he grew up in a single-family household. By the time Westmore was 11 years old, Westmore had already been handcuffed and sent to a a juvenile detention facility. At 14, Westmore was tried for attempted murder. At 16, Westmore was already a father. At, At 22, Westmore had fathered four children, and at 33... Westmore was already a grandfather, but Westmore will never see his children or his grandchildren because Westmore will never make it out of jail. Westmore didn't make it. The story of Westmore number one and Westmore number two is actually chronicled for us in a book written by Westmore number one called the other Westmore. One name, two faiths. You see, there were two Westmores and they each grew up in the same neighborhood, only three houses apart from each other and only three years apart. But one Westmore made it and one Westmore didn't make it. The story of Westmore, and Westmore, illustrate for us that in life, there are two paths that you can take. One path that leads to success and blessingness, and the other path that leads to destruction and failure. And it's up to you and I to know to understand which path is which. But the good news is that God didn't leave us by ourselves so we could figure out which road to take on our own. Psalm 1 is written to help us identify and distinguish which road that leads to destruction and which road that leads to a blessed life. If you follow the road that Psalm 1 instructs, then you are certain of this. You will be blessed in life. Psalm 1 is an unexpected introduction to a book that contains a series of prayers and requests because Psalm 1 is neither a prayer nor a request. Psalm 1 is what we call a, a wisdom psalm. The purpose is of Psalm 1 is to give you instructions on how to live life well. But there's a reason why Psalm 1, in a collection of, of prayers and laments, is the first of the Psalm. The book of Psalm in the Hebrew Bible comes on the heels of, Ma- of the book of Malachi. And Malachi is a series of rhetorical questions that the prophet just puts out there for the people of God to answer. And the last of these rhetorical questions is a complaint that Malachi, that the people of God has against God. Malachi 3, 14 through 15 reads, You have said it is futile to serve God. Here's the question. What do we gain by carrying out his requirements and going about like mourners before the Lord Almighty? But now... We call the arrogant blessed. Certainly evildoers prosper. And even when they put God to the test, they get away with it. At the end of the book of Malachi, the prophet looks out into the world. And this is what he sees. He sees the righteous suffering. And he sees the wicked prospering. And he asks God, how can this be? And this is the lingering question At the end of the book of Malachi, why do the wicked prosper and those who try to follow God's instructions seem to live a life of unblessedness? Then you go to Psalms, the first book of Psalms, a, a collection of prayers by David, in which, beginning in Psalm 2, David always seems to be complaining about what's going on in his life how his enemies have surrounded him, how he's trying to do the right thing, but God is nowhere to be seen. David, throughout the first book, book one of the Psalms, he's always complaining. Lord, I'm trying, but life is just not going my way. So at the end of Malachi, you have a complaint. And if you take out Psalm 1, and read the rest of the Psalms, you have complaints. But in between, the Word of God lets us know that all of life isn't just about keeping your head above water and making a way when you can. There is a blessing for those who follow the Word of God that you don't have to struggle your whole life just to make it, but that God can give you a blessed life. The, the word blessed means to, to be happy. In the Hebrew dictionary, it's, it's synonymous with, with being happy. But, but how we envision happiness is not how the psalmist envisions happiness. For us, happiness is circumstantial. You get a raise at your job. You're happy. He asks you out on Friday night. You're happy. You get good report from the doctor, you're happy. You get an A on your assignment, you're happy. This type of happiness depends on your situation and on your circumstances. But if your happiness depends on your situation and circumstances, you're, you're only one letter in the mail away. <laughs> you're only one phone call away. You're only one doctor's visit away from being unhappy. This is not the type of blessedness that God promises to his people. The type of blessedness that God promises to his people is a type of blessedness that, that doesn't depend on our circumstances and on our situation. The, the term blessed actually in, in the Hebrew dictionary means the, the life that, that, that is pleasing, the, the, the life that God blesses. It is dependent not so much on our situation, but on our relationship with God. Yeah. So when the psalmist says blessed, he's describing more than just something that is situational and circumstantial. He's describing something that that is experiential, that you and I could be blessed if we are rightly related to God. Beginning in verses 1 and 2 the psalmist describes what the blessed life looks like. He first, in verse 1, describes it negatively in terms of do these things. This is not what it means to be blessed. There there is progression beginning in verse 1, a downward spiral, if you will. Verse 1, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of scorner, of mockers, the progression becomes first in terms of the access that you allow people to have in your life. To walk means to be in league with, but worse than walking is standing. To stand means to affirm what someone says, and, and worse than standing is to sit. When you sit with someone, you participate in their, con- in their congregation. And there is a progression in the, be- in the verbs of the psalm from belief to, be- to behavior to absolute acceptance. But not only is there a progression in the action of verse 1, there is also a progression in the type of negative people that you associate with. The wicked are simply those who reject God, but the sinners are those who reject the word of God, and the mockers are those who deny God's sovereignty above their lives completely. And the psalmist is saying in verse one that you will be blessed if you know who not to listen to. (laughs) You will be blessed who you know to give the hand to You will be blessed if you know who not to take advice from them. The key to being blessed in verse 1 is understanding who you shouldn't let speak into your life. You shouldn't take marital advice from Elizabeth Taylor. The rest of you will get that when you get home. You shouldn't take financial advice from Bertie Madoff. You shouldn't go to drug counseling from Charlie Sheen. And you shouldn't take the advice of the ungodly. You will be blessed when you know who not to give access to your life. You will be blessed when you know who not to listen to. Jason Blair worked as a reporter for the New York Times from 1999 to 2003. He he came there with a very impressive resume that said he was a graduate of the University of Maryland. But no one ever at the New York Times decided to, to check his credentials five, six years after being unemployed by the New York Times. A cub reporter, an intern there, discovered that an article that Jason Blair had published was really written by somebody else in San Antonio two years earlier. That set in motion what is described as one of the most embarrassing times ever in the history of the New York Times. They, they discovered that not only was Jason Blair plagiarizing other articles, When he indeed wrote articles for himself, he had fabricated information, and he didn't check his research. In 2005, I believe, May 11th, the New York Times printed a a retraction of all of Jason Blair's articles, and they said that Jason Blair was an embarrassment to reporting, and they said that in their 153-year history, they had never been as embarrassed. Jason Blair embarrassed the New York Times. He embarrassed his family, but, but worst of all, he embarrassed himself. But, but don't, don't worry about Jason Blair. He's all right right now. He, he moved back to his hometown in Virginia, and today Jason Blair is a very successful life coach. I'm not making this up. Jason Blair is giving instructions to people on how to live right and how to become a professional in your career. Now, I believe in redemption. <laughs> I preach it every Sunday, but, but can you agree with me on this? You are a fool if you let Jason Blair and people like him Speak into your life. You are blessed when you know, according to Psalm 1, verse 1, when you know who not to listen to. Then in Psalm, in verse 2, the psalm is, in positive terms, begins to tell us how to live a blessed life. The first part of the psalm deals with our relationship to the world. The second part of the psalm deals with our relationship to the word. You are blessed if you know who to avoid, but then you are blessed if you know what to embrace. Verse 2 says, His delight is in the law of the Lord. That, that word law is Torah. It refers to either the first five books of the Old Testament or the, the commandments of God. And, and, and notice what the psalmist is telling us to delight in. He, he's not telling us to delight in Romans 8:28. And we know that in all things, God works to the good of those who love us. He's not telling us to delight in, in. In Philippians 4, 13, I believe, where it says that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We all can delight. We all can shout. We all can get happy and meditate on those verses. That's not what he's telling us to delight in. He's telling us to delight in the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not lie. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not covet. He's telling us to delight in. In Deuteronomy 23, 13, that when you make a vow to people, keep it. Now, now, I, I, I don't know about you, But it's hard for me to delight and shout on texts like that. I just can't. Thou shalt not murder. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. (laughs) How do you get to that point where you can delight and meditate on on the law of God? Board a plane. Check your ticket. You go sit down. You are seated in the most uncomfortable seat in the history of planes. (laughs) Not only that, some man comes sits right next to you and he reeks of spoiled milk and onions. And this man insists on talking to you for the duration of the flight. He wants to talk to you about everything that you don't care nothing about. And as you're in the process of taking off, someone whispers to you, listen, this plane is going down. But if you hold on to this, you'll survive. Or how I got bad news for you. Don't matter what plane you're on in life, it's going down. But God has blessed us and told us if we hold on to this, then we will survive. The psalmist delights in the law, not because it's pleasing to him, but because he knows that if he holds on to the word of God, when his plane comes crashing down, he will make it because God has given him instructions on how to survive. That's how... You and I get to a point where we delight and are able to meditate on the word of God. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus tells a a story that could be a commentary on Psalm 1. He he tells the story of of two men who built two identical houses, but they built it on two different locations. The, The first man built his house. On the sand, which is in Jesus' parables, the advice, the instructions of of those who don't know God. The the second one built his house on a rock. And, And in Jesus' story, a storm came and hit both houses. In Jesus' story, it rained on both houses. In Jesus' story, it was chaotic for both houses. But the house that was built on the sand, because it didn't have a great foundation, it didn't have a a solid foundation, Jesus says that that house fell. And I I love what Jesus says. How great was the fall. But the house that was built on the word of God, because it had a, a solid foundation, that house survived. Our house. There will be storms in your life. It will rain in your finances. It will thunder in your family. Chaos will threaten everything that you have. But if you build your house on the word of God, then you will survive. The result of, of walking on the Right and the wrong path are, are described in, in verses 3 and 4. In verse 3, uh, well-planted tree becomes the picture of what happens to the person who obeys, who meditates, who delights in the word of the law, in the word of the Lord, rather, in, in the ancient Near East. Because if, it, if it's hot and arid conditions, not every tree that was planted survived. The only trees that that were planted that were yield its fruit were the trees that were planted near a water supply. And their roots were able to latch on to some water. So when the hot and arid conditions came, they yielded their fruit in season. And here's what God is saying to us through his word today. God knows where to plant you, and give you the internal resources it takes that wherever he has planted you, you will yield your fruit. Some of you have have been complaining about your job. Lord, I don't want to be here. Some of you have been complaining about your relationships, your marriage. Lord, take me away. Some of you have been Complaining about your circumstances in life. You've been saying, Lord, why have you planted me here? But God knows where to plant you. And he's given you a, an internal source of water called the Spirit. So wherever he has planted you, you can still yield fruit in your season. And if God can plant a cacti in the desert and a cacti survive, if, if God could plant a, a juniper tree in the Mojave Desert and that tree still yield fruit, can't God plant you in whatever circumstance and situation that you're in that you too will yield fruit Amen. in your season? <laughs> Not only all... Following instructions of the Word of God, ensure that you will survive, because God has you planted near water. Following the instructions of the will of God word of God will also ensure that you you thrive. He says that for the person who builds his house on the word of God at the end of verse three. Whatever he does prosper. For trees their prosperity depends on the weather condition. You, you just need to go outside and by the condition of the tree, you can tell what season it's in. In the summer season and in the spring season, trees flourish, they, they yield their fruits, they, they blossom, they, they do things like that. But, but in the winter season, eh, that's when trees begin to wither and, and, and their leaves die and fall. You know, that's not just true of trees and plants. <laughs> That's also true of people. <laughs> there are some people who are only built to survive and thrive when they have money in their pockets. There are some people who are only built to survive and thrive when things are going their way. There are some people who are only built to survive and thrive in the summer and spring of their life. But but if you... Build your house on the word of God. If you follow the word of God, you can thrive, you can survive whatever the conditions in your life may be. You can thrive even when the circumstances aren't going well in your life. You can thrive even when it's wintertime. For the person who follows the word of God, it don't matter what the conditions in his life may be. He can still thrive. On May 27, 1943, during a routine reconnaissance mission, Louis Zamborini's B-24 bomber crashed into the ocean. He spent 47 days drifting at sea until conditions went from bad to worse in his life. When he was finally rescued, he was rescued by a Japanese trading vessel that sent him to the Japanese military, and he spent the next four years of his life in a Japanese prison. After World War II, Zamborini was, was finally released, and he is now preaching the gospel to millions and millions of people all over the world. In fact, he, he, he was a regular on Billy Graham's crusade. He's recently written his autobiography entitled unbroken telling people the story of how your spirit can be unbroken if you hold on to God and and really that's what the psalmist is saying in Psalm chapter 1 that the conditions outside whether it's winter, spring, summer or time they they don't have to impact your life you can be unbroken simply by continuing to trust God to hold on to the Word of God. But then there's a sad part to verse 3. Beginning in verse 4, the psalmist tells us that the wicked suffer an absolute different faith. He says that they are not like this. They are not strong. They are not secure because they haven't built their lives around the Word of God. He says that they are like chaff, that the Wind blows away. He, he's describing an experience that would have been common to everyone living in his day. During agricultural season, the people would try to separate the, the wheat from the chaff. And, and the way they would do this is that they would take a, a fork full of both wheat and chaff, throw it up in the air, and because the wheat has some weight to it, it would fall down to the ground, but the, but the chaff would just blow away. In the wind. I, I, I know what you're thinking. My life is not going the way it should go. And I know what you're thinking. Other people who don't deserve to be blessed are being blessed in your place. Just, just give it a minute. Wait till the wind blows. <laughs> Wait till God says what he has to say about the situation when the wind blows. What you'll discover is that everything that God has been putting you through has added weight to your body so that when the storms of life come, you, you fall down to the ground while the wicked, they're gone with the wind. I want to close through the same way the psalm closes. It says at verse 5, Therefore, the wicked will not stand in judgment, nor the sinners in the assembly of the righteous. And here's my favorite part. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Whatever you're going through, whatever road you're walking down, good news is that God is watching out for you. Good news is that God will ensure that you make it home. Tony Campolo tells a story of what happened when he was in the second grade. When he was in the second grade, his, his mother would give this girl five cents a day to walk him home. And finally, Tony Campello thought that he was too old for this, so he, he made a bargain with his mom. He said, Mom, if you let me walk myself home, you can keep your five cents a day and put it in my bank account. And his mom was intrigued by this suggestion, but she wasn't sure if she would allow Tony Campolo to walk home by himself because she didn't want him to go down that road by himself. But after being persistent and arguing with his mom, Tony Campolo said his mom finally let him walk home by himself. And and he did this for about a two-month period. And then at a family reunion, he began to brag and to boast to all everyone who would listen. Hey, I'm walking home by myself. I'm a big boy now. Even though I'm only in the second grade, I don't need anybody to walk home with me. And finally, his older sisters got tired of him yapping, and they told him the truth, that you haven't been going down the road by yourself. Every day at 3 o'clock before the bell rings, mama runs down to school and she hides behind you to make sure that you make it home all right. Why don't you think you never see mom greeting you at the door (laughs) when you come home? Because mom has been watching you all along the way. And, And that's my word to you. God has been watching you All along the way, so that you never have to walk home by yourself. Amen. Will you pray with me? Lord God, we thank you for your watchful eye over us. That when we walk, According to your instructions, that when we delight ourselves in your word, you see us home. I pray for all of those who are under the sound of my voice this morning, who feel that they are walking this life by themselves, who have been keeping your word, trying to follow your instructions. but they don't see the fruit. I pray now that you would give them the assurance of knowing that you are watching over them so that they never have to make it home by themselves. Thank you for keeping us, for watching us, for holding on to us, dear God. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.